latest from Scotston. This is Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors' official podcast. Perfect, right. Hello and welcome back to Warriors Weekly on this week's show. I'm joined by Kevin Canuck. Kevin, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very uh, glad to be here. We've got you up nice and early in the morning. You're over in the States, isn't it? Yeah, I'm, uh, I live in the Philadelphia region, just outside of uh, Philly, about, about an hour away. And it's 12 o'clock for us here, so it's what, 7 o'clock for you over there? 7 o'clock, yeah. 7 o'clock. <laughs> early, early, early. And or, we're also joined... As I said, as I said to you earlier, uh, uh, not that early when you compare it to your last guest, James, early, uh, James Eddie. James Early is what he should be known as now, but um, I couldn't actually believe the, the, the timings that he keeps. So I don't feel too bad, I can't complain that it's 7 a.m. Yeah, it's, it's such a dis- disjointed day for him, isn't it? You know, you're starting at 10 o'clock at night, sleeping, looking after the kids, getting up again and working. It just seems like he's nonstop all the time. It is. It absolutely blew me away to hear that. I mean, and it's yeah. not shift work. You know, it's not he's not doing that three days on, three days off. That's no. that's every day. That's, yeah, so uh, it's like six days a week, which is just madness. That puts puts uh, life into perspective, to be honest. Um so, you know, how, how good how good my life and, and, and our lives are in the professional sporting world versus what they can be in the, in the work world. Yeah, exactly. And we're also joined by Craig. Craig, how are you? Afternoon. I'm not too bad. Uh, very excited to be back on again. Um, yeah, I, I was the same. I had the same reaction to James last week and I'd spoken to him before. So um, I, am not a, I am not a person that would be able to be living a life as a fishmonger, I can tell you that. <laughs> So Kevin, we, we've got you on this week for a few reasons. Obviously, we're looking to kind of go back down memory lane a little bit and talk through, you know, previous Warriors experiences during uh, this time. Obviously, everyone's kind of in lockdown, so it's a great time to kind of reflect and look back and kind of look at different memories. Um, but also, we announced this week that, D- well, I guess late last week, that DTH van der Merver is leaving us. And Craig sat down and spoke to DTH uh, ahead of furloughing and ahead of this announcement he kind of sat down and talked to DTH about his memories of the club and you were you featured predominant, uh, prominently throughout kind of uh, I guess it was waxing lyrically about you <laughs> oh but, man um, uh, it, it, it's I'll tell you what he I, I read the, uh, the 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 post that he had uh, earlier this week I think I you know saw it on Facebook or something like that or my wife probably yeah. saw it on Facebook to be fair I don't really use Facebook that much um but, you know, I just thought from both from a Glasgow Warriors perspective and from a Canadian rugby perspective. Right. So I kind of get uh, I was fortunate to have DTH on both sides of uh, of, of, of the ocean and, uh, and and actually even going further back, DTH, when he emigrated from South Africa to Canada, he came to to my hometown. He came to where where I was sort of uh, raised, not born, but but raised. Spent my whole life there. Played all my junior rugby there, and uh, and and he came with his family there. So I I knew D from uh you know from quite a young age back when he was at high school, and uh, I got to play with him you know quite a quite a number of times at, at different levels of the game, and he was uh, he's a real special guy. Genuinely, he's a special person and he's a special player. Um, one of the, you know, it's not often you, I, I would say this as a, as a front row player, you know, whatever, but he's one of the toughest guys I, I know. He really is. He's absolutely fearless. Uh, I remember when, when, when he was just a young, 
you know, early twenties, uh, kid coming up into the national team, you know, we, 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 you're, you're always wrestling and things like that and, and having, 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 having a go at each other during games or sort of during practices and, and things. And, and he, he wouldn't back down from anybody, you know, um, I knew, I knew right away he was going to be a, a pretty special player. And, and, and sure enough, he, he turned out to be so, as I say, internationally and, uh, and professionally as well. And, and to have, you know, to have two nations sort of kind of really, truly respect you and, and love you as a, as a player, I think is, is testament to, to what he's achieved. Were there, were there any sort of first impressions uh, you had of him, but both when he, when he came over to, to Glasgow, when he came into the national setup, he talks about the fact that when he came over in, in the 2009, um, he was immediately looking for familiar faces and yourself being a, a sort of Canadian rugby stalwart at that point was, a, was the first person he looked for. I mean, I, I suppose my my first impressions of him were were um, initially I I always thought like who 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 is this guy you know like he's he's a a, a young guy coming in he's really confident um, you know kind of had that initial kind of response to like whoa hold on but that that's that wasn't him being you know overconfident or cocky that was just him and that was and and that was why he was so successful because. You know, he had that mental approach to the game that, you know, I'm 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 here to do a job. I'm going to do this job better than anybody else. And and let's let's get on with it. Um, and, and so, you know, he, he, he had that real kind of air of, of confidence about him, which I, I guess, you know, they say that he's a kind of player you love to play with, but you probably hate to play against. I mean, luckily, I never played against him, at least I can't remember. Maybe maybe I did back in club rugby once. But you know, it was a, that would be a long time ago. But for the most part, I always got to play with him, and uh, he was a guy that, when the game was on the line, he—that's who you wanted to have the ball. You know, that was who you wanted to have the ball in his hands because he was going to make something happen. And to be honest, even even without the ball, he would make something happen. You know, he's the kind of guy that would make that game-changing hit. That you know, that dislodge the ball from the opposition, and you know, kind of get get everybody's uh, uh, backs up, and 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 he he was just a, a real a, a great teammate to to play with. And, and Craig said there, obviously, kind of introducing that that you are by the point that you kind of DTH came across to Glasgow, you were a Canadian stalwart, but obviously by that point as well, you're probably also a Glasgow Warriors centurion, so you were well and truly kind of embedded within the squads by that point. So so how, I guess. Take us back to right at the start of everything. So how did you initially kind of come across to Glasgow and what were those kind of first years like for you? Obviously, we're looking now talking about DTH and how what he was like when he first came in, but what was it like for you when you first came in in 2004? Sure. Um, so I, I was I was trying to remember the actual year and you just gave it to me, which is excellent. It was, it was post-World Cup, you know, post-2003 World Cup. Um, which was, uh, that was that, that on its own is, is another podcast, uh, but, but nonetheless, uh, a fantastic memory and a fantastic sort of experience. And then moving, I was, I was over in, in England. I was studying to, uh, to, for my master's degree at Oxford university. And I was playing at Oxford in, in the, what they called the Michaelmas term in the, in from September to December. And then I would go and play professionally or semi-professionally to be fair in in the other terms uh we're still playing a little bit for oxford in in the sort of the other terms trinity and lent um and so i, I finished up that degree uh after after the world cup and was looking for the, you know the, the next sort of stage and um i i was kind of playing two options 
would I stay at, at Oxford and do do another degree? I, I always wanted to become a, a teacher. It was something that was that was what I wanted to do. Um, so I thought I could do one more, one year long degree, play another year with Oxford, and then move on. Or should I go and you know make a little bit of money and, and play some some rugby? And ultimately, I chose to you know go play some rugby. In my in my head, I thought, look, I can come back and do my my schooling. Um, afterwards right uh this is this is another year i'm already i was already starting to get a little bit older probably 20 i guess i was like 26 or something like that i don't even know those years mesh but anyways uh it all sort of runs together and so up to up to glasgow i came um i um i i came up for the last game of the 2003 season and it was at hewingdon and it was against i believe it was against uh ospreys Nice Swansea, I think they were called at the time, and they had the uh, the Hair Bears playing in the front row, and um, it was a, it was it was a beautiful. I think it was a Friday evening or either a Saturday evening, something like that. It was an evening, and it was just that perfect idyllic Glasgow spring summer day, and yeah. we we I watched the game. And then we we went out to um, to the uh, to the loft, I believe it was, up in uh, Ashton Ashton Lane after the game, and kind of met the players and hung out with them, and and I I remember like literally feeling like I was already on that team, like I, I'm not kidding. I, I they 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 kind of they took me in and we had a great evening. And guys like Sam Pinder and Calvin Howarth uh, were in my head. Uh, Cami Mather. Um, Lee Harrison, you know, Donnie McFadgen, all those those guys were just, they were great people, just great people right from the very start. And that's what got me hooked. I'm like, this is where I want to be. This is the kind of people I want to be around. This is the environment I want to be around. Um, and so it was a pretty easy choice, to be honest. And did you start your Glasgow career off with a win? Did you beat Ospreys or as they were known then, Swansea? So that that was the first game that I watched. I watched, watched okay, I watched right. that one before I signed. I Right. Okay. I I believe I believe my first game was away at Connaught, but I I can't remember. I'd have to I'd have to look back. I I honestly can't remember. I'm just And I don't remember the, whether we whether we won or not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just very glad that the uh the, the teammates that you had at the time were the, the sort of thing that clinched the factor. Because I think if you made your, your decision based on that idyllic weather, I think you, you may have found out very quickly that was a false sense of security person there. Yeah, I believe the saying is sold a dummy. <laughs> yeah. I I so wow. The weather in Glasgow was that was a, a love hate relationship for sure. And that's by the way, a Canadian from the middle of the country saying that, you know. Um, how you'd go out for training in August and it would be, you know, two degrees Celsius and, and snowing. And they're like, what is going on? You know, that's not what I signed up for. But, but hey, it was all good. Um, I certainly didn't have the, the culture shock that some of the Samoans had, that's for sure. No, I can imagine. Uh, I, one, of, one of my favorite sort of memories, just kind of like silly little thing, was looking back on, on a day when it snowed. It snowed quite heavy. And we were training at White Craig's rugby ground. Um, and, uh, and Justin Vaha, I think it was in his very first year, uh, him and, and Opita Palapoy um, were, were there. And, um, and they were using these hit shields as toboggans down the hill at White Craig's. And all, you know, all the, re the rest of us were all miserable. You know, this is terrible. It's snowing. It's cold. 
I don't want to go out and train in that stuff. And here, here are the Samoans out there tobogganing, like literally like children, like children. And, I, I, and, and I'll never forget it. I just thought, you know what, this is, you know, you, you always got to try and put yourself in other people's shoes and take on other perspectives, which is, you know, a, a boring antidote that I tell my students all the time. But man, is it, is it ever true? And, and that, that one moment I'll never forget. So, so obviously from there, 2004 to 2011, so 152 caps. Within that, there must be some crazy memories. Obviously, when you left, you said you were leaving Glasgow in a much better place. You were you you kind of were, were waxing lyrically about how you you know you'd helped some guys like uh, John Barkley, uh, Johnny Beatty, things like that come through, and you were confident that the club was going to go on to do great things. And obviously, uh, I guess three years after you left, they they won the pro the pro Fort, uh, pro twelve final. Yeah. Um... It's one of those things. I've never been back to a game. I've never, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I actually did live in England for five years uh, when I, once, I, once I left, but my schedule didn't allow it. You know, I was, I was, I was teaching and couldn't get away. Um, but I, I always watched the games on, on TV and, and stayed, you know, up, up to date with what was going on and, and, you know, still talking and texting with a lot of the guys that were still playing at the time, especially Al Kalak. Ali and I were, we were really good friends um, at, at, at when I was there and, and um, probably have drifted away from him lately, which uh, makes me think I need to reach out and say hello again. But nonetheless, that's, you know, that's life. Um, and, and I was so happy. I mean, I, I was so, you know, chest out proud to be um, to be a member of, of that club, especially, you know, especially on, on, on the day they won the, 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 the championship. Um, you know, uh, it, it was it was really great to see, and uh, and and it was also you know being down in England at the time, uh, you know it, they Scottish rugby uh, people didn't really respect it that much, especially when I first sort of came down. At the time, it was sort of uh, you know slightly waning, I suppose, in terms of the international scene, and I just knew that these young guys coming through were gonna were really gonna lift it up and 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 take it to some heights, and and sure enough, it had, and so I was. I was really proud to have been a part of that and to, you know, to, to, to wear my Glasgow colors on, on, on that particular day and in that season for sure. And, and, and actually, you know, I mean, many seasons afterwards too. Mm-hmm. And obviously you talked about when, when you first came in, but when you first came in or before you first came into the club, what were your perceptions of Glasgow? And then leaving the club, what were your perceptions of Glasgow then? How, how had they changed? I'll be honest. I didn't have any perceptions of Glasgow when I first came in. I had never been uh, to, to Glasgow. I'd never been to Scotland. Uh, so, you know, that was, uh, actually that's a lie. I, I was, I went to Edinburgh once for a, an Oxford university versus Edinburgh game. Um, and that was, that was great fun. We had a, we had an excellent evening there. Um, but I digress. I could, almost every story will, every story could end with, we had an excellent evening. Cause that's, um, you know, that's what you did. But anyways, um, I didn't have any preconceptions or anything like that. Uh, so it was great in a way just to come up and just kind of take it, take it all in. And, um, and I loved it. I really, I, I, the seven years I spent in Glasgow were some of my most memorable, definitely, um, the most enjoyable without doubt. Uh, you know, had a, uh, had a great little flat just, just down, um, uh, below, Calvin Park uh, in the university area, which of course was all just kind of uh, regentrifying and and uh, a nice walk into the West End and and you know other than the weather 
uh, it was it was a, a wonderful place to live, and and I just you know I would I would go back in a heartbeat. Yeah, and while at Glasgow, uh, you got a chance to play against some of your teammates when you played for the Barbarians against Scotland in two thousand and six. Mm. That must yeah, have been, that... I guess, su- surreal and I guess a kind of a, a change. <laughs> it, it was. It was. It was that whole that whole Barbarians trip was surreal, man. I mean, I I didn't start playing rugby till I was fifteen years old. As, as most North Americans, right? Rugby's mm-hmm. not really available. Uh, what was your sport before then? Did you have one that was contact? Yeah, I played. I played American football. Uh, right. I played. I played. I was a wrestler. I, I played baseball. I, you know, I pretty much did all the kind of uh, typical North American sports. And and American football was was my thing. You know, that was my sport. That was what I loved to do. Um, it was probably what I was going to do, what I was going to go to university and, and play. And, 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 you know, I, I, I certainly, I, I knew I would never have made the NFL or anything like that, but I believe that I would have made the, the CFL. We have a Canadian football professional league. And I think that at the time I probably, you know, continued, I would have might, maybe had a good crack at that. But then all of a sudden this weird, you know, weird game came around and got me hooked rugby. And, uh, and because I was a lineman, I don't know if you know anything about American football, but I was a lineman on both sides of the ball, defense and offense. I never touched the ball, never carried the ball, uh, very, very seldom got to make a tackle, you know. And all of a sudden I'm in a position where uh, I'm playing this game, rugby, and I'm, I, I happen to be one of the, you know, one of the, 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 the ball carriers. Like I was the guy that they gave the ball to. And wow, what a, what a change mentally and um, that that was. So it, it was, it was a pretty kind of whirlwind thing to to go from from being a, a football guy and committed to that to to all of a sudden taking a chance on a game that that really nobody you know especially where I grew up nobody really knew you know it wasn't it wasn't a big thing at all and so I, I went out to the west coast uh to to Vancouver Victoria area which it is a big sport out there and uh I, I there was a club called Capilano Rugby Club on the north shore of Vancouver and they they saw me play at the under nineteen national championships, and they offered me a scholarship. Well, they basically matched the scholarship that I was going to get from Simon Fraser University for wrestling, I think it was. And they said, "Look, you're going to get that. We'll give you some money. You come out play for us. You can go to school, do your thing." And um, it was a big big risk, to be honest. And I, and I took it. I just thought I love this sport so much. I'm having so much fun at it. I'm going to go for it. And uh, kind of never looked back I, I suppose from from there so but it, it was a a different journey into the game the the, the one question i uh, the one question i've got from that i suppose is you're talking about sort of not really having any sort of preconceived um expectations of, of glasgow beforehand but obviously now um starting with yourself and then with guys like dth but also with with players um like connor braids uh Chauncey o'toole taylor paris have all come over here and, and uh played for the club distinct uh, with a fair bit of distinction um, is there now a sort of almost a recognition of of Glasgow in most sort of Canadian rugby circles, or is it a, a case of where one guy goes, the other sort of follows? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it goes both ways. To be honest, I think that uh, you know, obviously myself uh, initially, um, but I'm you know I'm not going to be. I'm going to be honest. You know, DTH is the one that put Glasgow on the map <laughs> in terms of Canadian rugby. Right. Like, yeah, yeah the, the diehard rugby fans knew who I was and where I played and such. But, you know, DTH, he, he was the guy who really put that them, them Glasgow on the map in 
in a Canadian sense. I'm not saying he put Glasgow on the map. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest such a thing. He certainly is one of the greatest players that played for the club, but, um, but nonetheless, in a Canadian sense, he really did. And, and so that obviously helped, but then the, the reverse too, you know, um, I, I, I obviously played for Glasgow and did a, did a pretty good job, you know, was, was, you know, was, was always, a, for the most part, always available for selection and did what I could for the club. And then obviously D came, came and did the, the amazing things he did. So from Glasgow perspective, they, they saw two, you know, fairly, fairly, fairly good Canadian rugby players and thought, Hey, that might be uh, an untapped potential, I suppose. And, and, you know, I'm certainly, I was not the first good Canadian rugby player to come and play in Britain without, you know, there were many, many more before me. Um, but it was just, you know, sometimes it is, it takes a, a one or two guys to get into a certain club, uh, a certain environment. And then, you know, they start to, to, to realize there might be some value in, in that other, in that other market as such. So, so back to playing, you know, against Scotland at Murrayfield, for the barbarians what was that like obviously you said the the tour itself was surreal uh, what, what yeah. made it surreal okay so i that's right because of where i came from in rugby is where where i was getting to uh i remember being you know being like 15 years old only just starting to learn the sport and uh, a, a family friend of mine um it was a rugby referee in in vancouver and and we the reason I kind of knew him we we had the same summer cottage in Manitoba, and he would bring these VHS tapes. And one of the VHS tapes that he brought was uh, a Barbarians game. And I didn't know anything about rugby really when I was started to watch this, but I did remember this Barbarians game. I couldn't even tell you when it was or who they were playing. I just remember watching it and the jerseys and the iconic nature of it all. And uh, and and then to actually you know be playing for that club and on top of it against Scotland, the nation that had kind of taken me in. Um, it, it was, it was a pretty proud and, and special moment for me. Um, and then, you know, to be playing against a lot of my, my teammates um, in that game, that was fun too. Just a little, you know, a little bit of little bits of banter and, and things like that, what that would happen. Um, I, I, my, my one regret about the game is I, I was about one inch away from scoring a try, and um, and it was Andrew Henderson, Hendo of all people, that stopped me from scoring it. I kind of like it turned and I went to place it, and he kicked the ball just as it went. Oh, I was I wasn't happy with him. I'll be honest. I was like, "Come on, Hendo, you could have let me have that one for for sort of memory's sake." But that that's definitely that wouldn't be Hendo to do that for sure. I'm guessing words were hard when you were back at a, back at Hewden or Hill at that point. Oh, I, I, every time I saw him, I, I had words with him about that one for sure. What, which socks were you wearing for the, the Barbarians? Was it was it Glasgow socks? I, or I, ones from... Yeah, I, I had Glasgow socks on. I, I believe I might have might have wore one Glasgow sock and one Canadian sock, maybe. But it might have been both Glasgow socks. I, I, they were they were the sort of uh, the, the 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 bright blue teal blue socks for that season, and they were pretty pretty identifiable. And, and you'd said earlier on that you had a great night out when you came up with Oxford and played against Edinburgh. How did the night out with the Barbarians in Edinburgh compare? Oh, I mean, it was it was of epic proportions, uh, to be honest. Um, we we then went on to so obviously we, we lost that game against Scotland, and uh, 
and and they they weren't they weren't delighted about that you know we we weren't supposed to lose any any matches but uh especially you know big ones like that they wanted to win um and and so it was a you know obviously we dealt with that the next day but um we went to georgia uh the next week and and we then we we played georgia and we, we kind of came back and and beat them um so that whole you know that two weeks period was just it was amazing and and it was at the end of you know we rolled right from glasgow season into that sort of barbarian tour so it was uh and i think i went when the when then went straight away on canadian uh duty canadian tour so it was it, it, like i say it, it just was one of those things that you you i i don't often look back on if i'm honest you know i just kind of I, up until this moment, I'm, I'm sort of speechless in a way because I'm letting myself, you know, look back on it and, and kind of I can almost push away the memories as such. They're really, they're really quite thick. Uh, but yeah, pretty, pretty impactful and special time for me. And I have your stats up here in front of me and it says that you scored 67 points for Glasgow. Now, 67 points for a prop implies that you scored a conversion at some point. That has got to be wrong. That's got to be wrong. I, 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 I don't think I scored a. I mean, I'll tell you what. I used to be the kicker for my team when I was when I was in high school. I kicked I kicked goals and penalties, but I am ninety nine point nine percent certain I did not get an opportunity to take a conversion for Glasgow. Right. Okay, um, okay. But so, I, but so I this, love this... that stat. We'll run with it. That's good. <laughs> Just just make up make up a story that goes along. Just say it was like a last. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, conversion. that's what it should have been. It should have been a great. You know... It was actually a drop goal. Uh, Parksy, oh, right. okay. Parksy wasn't feeling up to it, and uh, you know <laughs> I stepped into that uh, nine ten channel, and I told him, "Look, I got this," and 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 I did. You know, it was a thirty five yard wind blowing left to right, uh, miserable evening, and it, it sealed the game for us. So yeah. So uh, the stat is wrong. It should it should say sixty eight, not sixty seven. But you know, sixty seven. Right. Statisticians they get things wrong. Yeah. yeah, all the time, all the time. Blame the statisticians. <laughs> mm. do, do you have any tries then, or or yeah, I guess scoring moments from throughout your career with Glasgow that, that stand out as kind of being that 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 one that you would kind of keep telling that story over and over again. Yeah, I, I was as you as you obviously mentioned. I just was lucky to score quite a few tries for for prop, you know. Um, and, uh, I think there's one in particular that really stands out. There's, there was, there was a couple, but there was one really in particular one. And it was at Fur Hill stadium against Edinburgh in the Derby. And it was in the opening moments of the game. And it was a second phase. We had a scrum and I took, I think Johnny, Johnny Petrie, I believe, or Johnny Beattie. I can't even remember who was playing eight that, that game carried. And then I took the next carry and, uh, and I, I, I just ran, ran the the Edinburgh number eight over, literally ran him over and uh, scored underneath the posts, and uh, and that was just kind of you know the energy in that moment with the derby and everything else was, that was pretty pretty special. Um, would you would you say the eighteen seventy two cup matches are matches that do kind of stand out to you as being those kind of high intensity kind of, uh, I guess hard hitting games you know the the, cr- the big crunch games. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, even for a a foreigner as such, uh, as an import player, you know, th- those meant a lot to me. They really did. And, and they meant a lot to me because they meant a lot to the guys around me, you know, and I and I truly did care about them. And, and we were such good friends that I, I saw, 
that it meant so much to them in terms of, you know, not just that rivalry, but especially guys like Glasgow born and bred guys like James Eddy, you know, um, it, it meant so much to them. And so it should. And, but it, but it also meant so much to everybody. I mean, you know, um, guys who were from Edinburgh that played for Glasgow had, had a, a different kind of meaning attached to it. And then of course, Everybody, every Scottish-based player, that was important because it was, you know, selections and, and national team selections were riding on that. So it was it, it was real intense. Those weeks were intense. Um, it often wasn't the best rugby that was played, you know, and I think that's often the case in derbies. You just kind of, everybody's so, so kind of uh, wound up so tight and trying so hard that... that Maybe it doesn't look like the best rugby. Although, to be fair, some of the games were pretty, pretty good. Um, but in, 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 when you're in them, you, you know, you, it's just it's a different feeling than kind of playing away at Stratty Park on a Friday night where, you know, you just kind of let, let everything go. Just in a wee bit of a, a dive around. And it's, an, it's a stat from a couple of years ago, so it's probably out of date. But I would be confident in saying that you are uh, one of our top 10 forward try scorers of all time. Throw that in there. So in, in tw- this is a, the 2016 stat from our friend Top of the Moon. Um, but at the time of uh, of the t- time of writing, only John Barkley had scored more tries than you from the pack. There you go. Wow. Yeah. So I think there's a couple that's, of guys in the that's pretty that cool. might have gone past you, but because um, I think I've just I've had Scott Cummings' stats up, having just put his uh, article out. He's online, well, we, so I think he's he's passed. We don't we don't need too. to get. We don't let we don't need to let history get in the way of a good story. So no, let's absolutely. just stick with your yeah. earlier stat. It's it's, it's a creative um, medium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And what what do, you, what do you put that what do you put that down to? Again, go, going back to maybe this might be incorrect, but uh, I was having a troll through Wikipedia ahead of time, and it mentioned you've already talked to it being a a wrestler and an an American football player, but it also said that you're a speed speed skater. <laughs> So being, yes. being light on your toes is, is that so that's correct is it and do you think being light on your toes and having that that speed skating kind of uh, I guess prowess allowed you to be able to score a few more tries from the front I, row? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'd use the the adjective prowess to describe anything <laughs> I did, especially speed skating. Uh, but I, I was, you know, yeah, I guess I, I was a little bit fast for my size. Uh, that helped. Uh, you know, had some ability to generate some power um, and. And I just always, right from the square one, just enjoyed carrying ball. You know, it was it was something that came easy to me. Um, and actually thinking about, you know, my Glasgow career and, and how it kind of went, um, that was one thing that, that I was always very good at. I could carry ball. I could always be relied on for that. And, and in the first couple seasons, um, you know, I, I wasn't a very good defensive player. That was my weakness. And and then uh, Justin Vaugh came in my, my third year, and, and I, I didn't play a lot. Um, I played you know, almost every game, but I didn't start a lot. And one of the reasons was is because he was seen to be a better defender, which, which he was. And so I spent a lot of time and effort um, working on defense, and I, I, I became a much better defensive player. And by the end of my career, I, I, you know, I would confidently say I was, I was a, a sound defender, you know, um, so, yeah, it was one of those things that just came naturally. I didn't have to work on it. Uh, I never really, I, I wasn't ever really coached it. You know, just kind of, I just, I just loved, loved running with the ball. Loved trying to, I loved trying to run people over. I'll be honest. I mean, that was, <laughs> I, I probably should have been a rugby league player, um, but that didn't really exist in my environment either. But I watched rugby league and think that would have been, that would have been the dream. I love running people over. That's a forwards quote if I've ever heard one. <laughs> love it. And, 
uh, obviously scrums have changed quite a bit, I guess, since since your retirement. Obviously, we've kind of gone away from the crouch touch, uh, pause, engage with the hard hit, and and they've said kind of props have kind of maybe reduced in size slightly and become a little bit more mobile. But obviously with you, you know, we're talking there about uh, your ability to kind of run the ball, generate speed, generate power. How do you think you would, you know, you you maybe in your prime would fare kind of in today's game as a front rower? Um, I, I think <laughs> I, I think I would have really enjoyed that the scrum the way it is now. Um, I, I enjoyed the scrum the way it was too. Scrummaging was another part of the game that I really, really enjoyed. I, I loved when, when it was scrum time. Again, uh, most props would, would probably say the same. But I look at what the new scrum, and I still coach the game too, so I'm still quite engaged in the, in the scrum and, and the different dynamics. Um, it's so much easier on the guys' bodies. You know, it really is. That, that, um, you know, that space that we used to have to close, uh, that was tough. You know, there were times when I would, I would, uh, there were times when, when you'd get, you know, uh, knocked unconscious in the scrum momentarily. Uh, I'm not kidding about that. And I remember getting out of some scrums and not really knowing where I was and kind of getting, you know, I, I don't, I don't know why that was or if that was just me, but I know other props talk about it sometimes too, all that, that power and force coming from the back. And there's still a lot of power and force in the scrum, of course, but we're talking about inches instead of, you know, feet. So and and guys before me would 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 even say that when when the in my day the scrums had become easier you know because they used to you know come from from meters to to hit each other so it's an evolution you know and I think what the what the the, the rugby the IRB or World Rugby whatever they're called now what they're doing for player welfare is is awesome you know because the, the the guys aren't necessarily going to look after themselves you know we're. When we're as, as players, we're there to do a job and we, we love to compete and safety is not necessarily in, in the forefront of our minds. Um, so it's nice to have former players now that are running and, and, and sort of taking charge of that and, and looking after the, the guys that are sort of currently playing. Um, and, that you know, that goes for everything, the tackle laws and, and things like that. So it's, it's good to see yeah. Yeah, and and you've touched on kind of throughout this that you know your goal was to become a teacher, and you, you just mentioned there that you know you're still coaching. So upon retirement, you've kind of you've gone into teaching. Am I right in thinking? And you're also coaching rugby, or are you coaching American football as well? Yeah. So I um I've now been teaching for a decade. I guess I've been retired for for a decade, which is a scary thought. So I, I taught for five years down in England at a place called Wellington College, which is uh, actually Tom Evans and uh, Max Evans alma mater, one of the one of, if not the best, sort of rugby school in England. Uh, I was very fortunate to to have got a gig there, uh, and I was uh, n- not only a great rugby school, but a great school in general. One of the one of the, the sort of the best headmasters in in the teaching game was there, Sir Anthony Selden. So I learned a lot there. Coached some great rugby there. Um, lost uh, lost the national final at Twickenham with my with my boys there, and and uh, uh, unfortunately never did never personally coached uh, a, a winning Twickenham squad. Although he did have a couple of different age groups while I was there. Took on the the I was a director of rugby or a master in charge of rugby. It was was called and and was doing that job, and then uh, things kind of took a U turn a little bit, and I I moved back to well, back. I moved to America with my wife uh, to, to the region that she grew up in and took a job in Philadelphia, uh, still coaching rugby. They had a, a, a school that I went to, St. Joseph's Prep, had a very good rugby program. and um, But, you know, it was uh, at a different level. There was 
sort of teaching the game uh, versus sort of perfecting the game, which is what it was already at Wellington. You know, we had at Welly, we had 10 guys on professional contracts and academy contracts there. So it was, it was, it was really good fun to really try to push the level of rugby that they were playing up. Um, and now I'm actually working at a, another school closer to home. I took a di- another job uh, to be closer to home. I was commuting an hour and a half earlier. That was killing me. Um, and I'm not coaching rugby there at all. I coach football, American football, and I coach wrestling. And I actually still do some rugby coaching at that old school. And uh, I do some camps. Uh, you know, I go up to, to West Point, runs a big camp every year. I go coach there, or I go Brown University. And some other places I go and try and, you know, keep a hand in. Um, obviously not this year. All, all rugby and all sport in general has been shut down, as you guys know. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of what, what's happened to me post-professional uh, rugby career. And, and do you find there are a lot of similarities in coaching rugby and, and, and American football? Um, there, there are, there are a lot of similarities, but there, there are probably more differences if I'm honest. Um, uh, I, one of the things I mentioned to you about one of the weaknesses of my game was a defender. And then I put so much time and effort into becoming a, a good defender with, with Gary Mercer in particular is one guy who just sticks out as a coach and made such an impact on me. Um, you know, he, he was, a, he was a really, really good, good teacher. He was a great teacher and he taught me how to, how, you know, how to use my feet and defense and everything else. And I try and bring that into, to the, to, to football that I coach too. And they've all been taught, you know, how to tackle in a different way. Right. So, you know, they're still putting their head across uh, in, in, in the contact, which is how they're taught. You know, um, and I'm trying to get across to them that, look, you know, you don't have to. You can make a dominant tackle, put keeping your head out of danger and just, you know, getting your feet right and getting your shoulder right and everything. And so it's um, it's it's a challenge because they've had, you know, five or six years, sometimes even 10 years. So they start young of, of tackling in a certain way, which, in my opinion, you know, it, it increases their risk of getting injured. They're putting their head in front of a, a whether you have a helmet on or not. You're still you're still increasing your your opportunity to be injured there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can imagine. So I've got two final questions for you. So obviously, you you listened to the podcast last week ahead of this one, and you and you heard kind of some of James Eddy's stories. So I was wondering if you had any stories similar. Do you have a an iconic prank or or a regular prank that you guys would play? that kind of stands out in your mind as, as the, the, the best piece of kind of fun that you, you had while with the Warriors? I'm going to guess you yeah. it doesn't involve kickers. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I was laughing at all those stories James would tell. I mean, um, when he was talking about Millsy, Schisler, I mean, he, he just, that guy never stops. He's like the Energizer Bunny, right? He just, it's prank after prank after prank after prank. Um, and they're just like small little ones, but they were, you know, they were, they were harmless and they were hilarious. He would take guys kit bags off of the uh carousel uh at away games and just start putting you know random items of clothing on the carousel so you'd be kind of watching you know an early morning trip back home and you'd see you'd see a pair of underwear come by on the carousel and then a pair of shoes and then a toilet bag and you'd realize oh no that's that's my bag that's my stuff millsy has got a hold of it and he's putting your your you know your 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 kit all over the place um so he was always at the at the at the at the sort of the 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 epicenter of all the little kind of pranks that kept us laughing. My um, another you know so many great we used to do a lot of skits 
uh, a lot of skits back, you know, when Parksy and the Evans brothers were there. And, and uh, Sean Lanine was really big on this sort of for, for team building and stuff. He would get us to do, you know, skits for Christmas party or year end or whatever. And that was always awesome to see the guys get dressed up and to, to video themselves and just have fun in that matter. That was always something that I loved. And so I've a- got one final question for you that I've asked everyone so far that we've had during COVID-19. So if there was one player in this in your in the squad so from the Glasgow Warriors squad during your playing days that you could be locked down with who would it be and why that's a great question um just one one yep. guy one guy i mean you could probably get away with choosing the evans brothers but you know. No, I, you know what? I couldn't choose the Evans brothers because they would drive me crazy. They would drive me absolutely up the wall, stark, raving mad in about two days. Um, they And one of the reasons they would do it is just watching them eat. Those guys are like, they got like 5% body fat still to this day, right? And all they do is eat the worst food imaginable. You know, you, you Justin and I would be in there doing early morning fat burning sessions because, you know, we're obviously fat props. And these guys would be be popping in jelly babies and and uh starburst and everything like it was like it was protein powder and here they were at five percent body fat i just that would have drove me nuts um geez i don't i feel bad answering that question i really do i had so many great great friends um to pick one is is very very difficult uh i i think i could pick one guy for for you know for for each each different thing that they represent. But it, I suppose if I had to pick one, it would probably be, probably be Donnie McFadgen. Um, and, 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 and that would be, that's a real close run. I mean that, you know, Ali Kellogg and Lee Harrison, um, Andy Hall, they would all get, all get close mentioned, but I, I guess I spent a lot of time with Donnie, uh, in the early days when I was there, uh, we would, um, you know, we would hang out on a Sunday and and uh, and, and watch football, watch watch the NFL together, and and uh, and and I just I, I really value and, and and cherish his friendship, and and I think that would probably be probably be the guy that I would I, I could handle being locked up with. Yeah, did you ever live with him? I didn't. I actually I actually bought his flat off him, um, which I sold not that long ago. But yeah, so I kind of um, I, I had that connection with him, and and uh, but I never actually lived with him. No, I never lived with any of the guys. I always had my own place. So who knows? Was, Maybe was that, was, that, was that a conscious effort to make sure that you were kind of separating work? And it was, it was a conscious effort. I, I lived my, my first two years. I lived with completely um, random people to the rugby scene. And it was nice because when I, you know, when I finished my day, I could go and, and, and have my own sort of environment and be with different people, um, kind of uh, escape the pressures of the, 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 uh, the intensity of the rugby scene. And then um, after that, I, I, I lived on my own. Although most of the time I ended up spending with the boys having coffee or, or other beverages. Um, but nonetheless, um, it was nice to, nice to have that time and space when you needed it. Right, Kevin and Craig, thank you very much, both of you, for joining me on this week's episode of Warriors Weekly. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to touch on before you go? Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, not really, to be honest. Um, no, um, I just think, uh, no, I don't. I just hope the game gets going again. That's that's my big wish, you know, and I don't I don't really know how that's what that's going to look like um, or how that's going to be. But I hope for for the guys that, that are playing this game that's given so much to me. 
that hopefully we can get this thing going and get this thing started both at the professional level. Uh, but to be honest, what I'm really worried about is the amateur level. I think that's, that's where I'm most concerned uh, that this game, uh, especially in North America and in other like sort of emerging markets, this COVID-19 thing has had a, a huge negative effect. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of money at stake and, and there's a lot of organizations that are going to go bankrupt and, and, and perhaps not start up again. And, and I think that could be a real threat to the game. So the sooner we find a way through this mess, the better. Great. Right. Well, Kevin, we wish you all the best and thank you very much. And if you are ever over in the UK, we're definitely going to have to get you down to a game if you haven't been to a game since you retired. Oh, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. We'll get you kicking that conversion. Get you, yeah, get you kicking <laughs> that conversion. We'll get you down at halftime. Well, you know, because I've already hit a drop goal. You know, it makes sense to get Full a conversion. House. Yeah. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Thank you both very much for joining me. No problem. Thanks. Thank you. Warriors Weekly, Glasgow Warriors official podcast.